Hello, want to start? Or do check. you want me to start? Whoa. Check. Does anyone even like our opening? Blah. I don't At know. At least if they we're do. not like, hey guys. Check, check. Hey guys, and welcome to the Inferno Mafia. <laughs> hey, you're turning into the morning show <laughs> where we talk about penises and vaginas. And then you have the uh, soundboard clapping. Yay! Right, yes. <laughs> Our laugh track, too. Yes, maybe we need a laugh track. A yeah. laugh track and other, uh, you know, auxiliary sounds. Like, like <laughs> ooh. Yeah. Like, oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> okay. Shall we? Yeah, do you want me to start or? Uh, what? I, sure. What? Okay. <laughs> I'll start. Okay. Welcome to the Infernal Mafia. That's Kayla. And that's Sarah. Today is part two of our two-part <laughs> series on the keto diet. So, more diet chatter. Yay. Yay. If you're not into diets, you're probably like, uh, okay, next. Next. It's, we'll be you. off. Yeah, next. we'll be off the diet topics next week. And if you're not into diets, I am with you. I'm not into them either. I mean, <sighs> who's into diets, really? People who make money off of them. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so, a <laughs> couple of mafia matters today. Both, like, corrections slash apologies, which we're really good at. Both of those things. The first yeah. one, the first correction um, was a lovely listener on who corrected us on Instagram about um, we mentioned Ireland on a recent podcast, on a recent episode. We talked about um, the woman who had, what was it, Sarah? She had triplets. Yeah, but two of them weren't from IVF. Right. But they were <laughs> conceived during IVF. Right. She had, what was it, spontaneous twins in an IVF cycle. Kind of insane. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she, and what I think what we said was she was from Ireland. But that was a lazy way of saying that she was from Northern Ireland. <laughs> so, and they're, they're different places. So we and so we had a lovely listener on Instagram correct us and she said I love your podcasts but <laughs> she says Ireland is not in the UK. The miracle triplet la triplet lady was probably in Northern Ireland which is covered by the NHS because I think we talked about how she did IVF with the NHS so I'm, I'm sure okay. she's in Northern Ireland. And um and then she also correct. She said, you know, as for wondering if she did a frozen cycle or not, because we were curious about that. Usually the NHS does not do frozen cycles. So more than likely it was a fresh cycle. Interesting. Which I know, which makes it even more unlikely. Because remember, we debated whether it would be whether it was fresh or frozen. Yeah. And we're like, it could happen with a frozen easily, right. probably. But. More easily, yeah. Yeah. Not like easily, because if you're doing IVF, it's usually because you can't get pregnant on your own. But Yeah. 
Right. I digress. So she's, she said, in terms of fertility, Northern Ireland equals free fertility treatment. The rest of Ireland equals sell your granny to pay for it. <laughs> so, yeah, Ireland and Northern Ireland are different countries, different places. I mean, to, obviously. To be fair, Ireland <laughs> is the size of Indiana. So, wait, Ireland or Northern Ireland? Ireland. Like Northern, Northern Ireland. Ireland and Ireland together. It's the size of Indiana. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And so. you said all of the UK is smaller than Texas. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is um, this doesn't help Texans egos on <laughs> this topic. All of the UK is smaller than 10 or 11 states in America. But they they are very influential in the um, world of fertility treatments. Maybe because they kind of kicked it off and started it all. Yeah. It's a hub. I was going to say that I'm I'm actually glad she corrected us because I um, lived a lot of my life in New Mexico. Do you know this, Sarah? Uh, what? I was technically born in New Mexico. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. No. So I, I live, I mean, I lived in the southeastern corner. It was practically Texas, but technically it was New Mexico. And Which is bigger than the UK. New Mexico? Yeah. Wow. So I sympathize with her because this is total tangent story. But when the 1996 Olympics were in Atlanta, Georgia, my grandparents, who also lived in New Mexico, wanted to get tickets to go to the Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia, which was in the United States, obviously. And they called the people that you'd call to get tickets to the Olympics. And they said to them, well, what state are you in? New Mexico. And this woman said to my grandmother, you have to speak to your country's representative. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so, so I'm talking to you. So I sympathize with our listener here that corrected us <laughs> because... And I had a lot of people, even growing up, like, New Mexico, so is that part of Mexico? No, you idiot. It's part of the United States. I, uh, I mean, it used to be part of Mexico. Most people should know that. So thank you for that correction. And we also, so someone told us finally, we talked about the CNY clinic in our last episode when we... Um, played an interview from a fertility doctor from CNY, Dr. Kiltz, and we didn't know what CNY stood for, and many people actually corrected us on this, or told us, and it stands for Central New York Fertility. So, that's what it stands for, in case anybody cares. And then um, we had a listener tell us in our Facebook group... Well, I don't know. Do you want to talk about this, Sarah? Or do you want me to? Uh, sure. They said that they were a patient there, and their doctor is Doctor Kiltz. Um, and he's sort of nutty about the keto diet, and he he 
He's up, sort of obsessed with it to the point of it being a joke. And then she said, but with a bunch of dots. <laughs> I've never been treated like cattle since I've been a patient there. I spent almost 25000 out of pocket at a really prominent clinic in Seattle and got shit treatments there. Everyone at CNY has been really caring. From the ladies in the financial department sending her a little note in her statement to congratulate her on her donor eggs making it to blast, to Dr. Kiltz giving his patients his cell phone number to contact him at any time. Uh, there isn't a cattle farm feeling there. If it wasn't for CNY, I wouldn't have the chance to do donor egg IVF because coming up with $40,000 for donor egg IVF in my area isn't easy. So, yes. There you go. She is not treated like a cow there. Like Yeah. Cattle. I think uh, <laughs> she said it kind of stung when we were... I mean, we're so snarky sometimes, and obviously we did not mean to come off, like, offensive to anybody. So if you're a, if you're a patient at CNY, um, and, like, and you're having a great experience, that is awesome. Sarah has heard, or you know of some people that have not had a great experience there. Yeah, like, and, and it happened after the cycle, so yeah. whatever. But, um... But I mean, so yeah, that's where that comment from you is coming from. Like, well, I've heard that this, you well, know, some that, people. That wasn't even what I was meaning. I was meaning their business model is sure. like low price, high number of high patients. volume. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not like they treat their patients badly. Sure. Yeah. 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 But um, she, which to to their credit, and according to Jessica, who's had a really good experience with them, that would be really hard to do if you're keeping your... like, Because their whole thing is that they have low prices for IVF. Like, people travel to them because their prices are so much lower. Yeah. And if you're able to have affordable fertility treatments and, you know, still give your patients a sense of you know, quality care, then that's awesome. That's amazing. And I'm glad she's having such a good experience. So. I think that it's kind of like, like a normal hot, like it's not, I don't know anything about the clinic, but the way I'm guessing that they're run is like a normal hospital in a way that there's enough personnel there that they can take care of a Lots large of number of yeah. patients so they can charge them lower prices. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's called, it's basic economics, supply and demand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm meaning. Like, there's enough patients that they can hire enough people to take care of those patients, but then they can also have a lower price point to yeah. attract a lot of patients. Right. And last thing on this, I th also thought that she made a, an, another really great point because we kind of talked back and forth in our Facebook group about it. Um, that, and she said, you know, you can feel like you're being treated like cattle at any fertility clinic. And so it's important to advocate for yourself as the patient. And I just thought that was a really good point because I think she's right no matter really the size of the clinic it can feel that way just like the nature of fertility treatments where they're like 
it's just like a revolving door of taking blood and sticking this thing up your vagingo and checking things out. And, you know, it can, it's easy to maybe fall into that, like, uh, almost like you're on an assembly line of fertility. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, how I felt in Kansas City. Yeah. I like, definitely everyone had, yeah. came in at seven in the morning for their checks during the cycle. Mm-hmm. And there there were times where I there was like one seat left yep. in the waiting room. And it was a big waiting room. I sat on the coffee table one time because there weren't any seats left. Well, like, and the there were the other room. Sarahs there, too. Oh, right. stood up and looked at each other. <laughs> said, you or me? And then she's like, Sarah B. And we're both like, yes. <laughs> right. And then things got a little bit hairy with HIPAA. <laughs> Oh, the nurse is like, uh, I don't know. You can just both come back. We'll She's like, come up here. And it was the <laughs> other one. So like you is like at that clinic, you need one of those security questions like they ask you on <laughs> the Internet. <laughs> what was the street of the, you know, what, the what street was your you grew up car? on? Right. <laughs> What's your mother's maiden name? OK, we both say the same thing. Like, <laughs> really? Smith, damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but okay, so back to CNY. She has a good, she had a good experience with them, or she's currently going through a cycle with them. Right. Right? Yes. And we just got an email this week from someone who is traveling to CNY from North Carolina, I think. Um, and yeah, she, she says she listens to the podcast on her commute up there, which is amazing. Thank you, by the way. But, um, you know, and I think she's having a good experience, too. And I'm sure there are other listeners that have been to this clinic. And so all that to say, we're glad we're happy if you're having a good experience. And we didn't mean any we didn't mean to throw shade on CNY or anything no. like that. Yeah, no. So I'm sure there's people who have had bad experiences at every clinic. Exactly. So exactly. Uh, Anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you. The keto diet. Yeah, the keto diet. This is part two in our previous episode that we just did, episode 55. Uh, We talked about some positive aspects of keto. We highlighted some people who support the keto diet. Um, And in this episode, we are providing the counter argument to you. Um, maybe some things to look out for, some reasons why it may not be the best fit for you, and sharing some opinions and thoughts from people who don't support it and why. Oh, I decided not to start keto. At the <laughs> By the way, <laughs> the last episode, you're like, I'm doing keto when we're talking about doing it. This one's no, about not I'm doing it. Not and now doing she's keto. Like, eh, just kidding. <laughs> What I'm made just, you decide not to do it? Uh, it's just a lot of work. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the health implications. Yeah. It, yeah. It, nothing to do with that. And I listened to my doctor, like my RE's video the on one you YouTube. Sent me? The one I sent you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do keto. Because he, he doesn't say not to do keto or anything. He just says, you know, don't eat a bunch of fried foods. Right. <laughs> and whatnot. Well, so. 
you know, I was thinking about the conversation we had last time, Sarah, about how you said, because I asked you, well, why do you want to do the keto diet? And you said that you like that it's super strict. Yes. Because it helps you sort of stay on the path if you have strict parameters put on you. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, there are... I think there are, are other solutions that could give you the same kind of strict diet, but that are not restrictive in, a, in like important minerals and nutrients that you might be missing out on with the keto diet. Yeah. So, so instead, I'm just going to use my fitness pal and try to not overeat. That is a good goal to have. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my main goal. And, like, eat fresh food and cook, not mm -hmm. go to McDonald's all the time. Right. Um, which, speaking of, you know, I'm going to talk about this later when we talk about Melissa, but she has a free download on her website uh, of PCOS meal plans. And I downloaded that. Me too. Yeah, it's great. Um, but... I agree with you. Something like that would be great for me because then I wouldn't have to think about what to even eat. It's like it's right there for you. So I appreciate that. I like that. So anyway, thanks, but we'll Melissa. talk about her. Yeah. Thanks, Melissa. We love you. Um, so real quick, in case anyone missed the last episode, what is the keto diet? It is. Go ahead. You can explain it better than I can. <laughs> it's really low carb. Low to no and carb. high fat. Low carb, high fat, and like, mm, like a small amount of protein. Right. And so um, you're, you're trying to get your body into ketosis to where it burns fat instead of glucose and all that. You want <laughs> right. something more in depth, go back to the last episode. Sure. And it's, it's often recommended or used by women in the infertility community, especially those with PCOS, particularly because a low to no carb diet um, helps with women or people who, you know, have struggle with insulin resistance, which is often women with PCOS. So that in turn um, can help you re-regulate cycles, lose weight, um, improve your egg quality. So those are kind of all the the quote-unquote good things about the keto diet or a low to no carb diet which we covered in the last episode um so uh yeah so now we're going to talk maybe about some cons um and then some side effects which I wanted to ask you about Sarah since you actually did the keto diet <laughs> so, okay she did the keto diet when did you do it Four years ago, before your Four second years ago. Yeah. IVF. Yeah. Yes. And you did lose weight, and you did have a better result. But to be fair, I started to just, you know, eat clean and count calories before that, and that's when I started losing weight. Aha. So. Well, that's a good disclaimer. So, I think, and you can add to this if you want, um... I think the big things for me that I see as cons would be, and this is coming at it from a personal perspective, but number one, I don't, it would not be sustainable for me to be on a, 
you know, we're talking 80% of your diet is high fat. That would, that would just not be sustainable for me personally. So I think it's a hard diet to stick to unless, you know, not, maybe not for everybody, but for a lot of people that would be hard. Um, you're missing out on, on a lot, a lot of nutrients from fruits, vegetables, including fiber and antioxidants because you're pretty much consuming mostly fat and it could be unhealthy or even dangerous for some people um, especially long term and it it's, can be very hard on the heart especially because you know because of those like high saturated fats the gallbladder the kidneys and certainly your gut so these are all things that you know to consider before trying it would you add anything to that list um, I mean, once you start eating regularly again, pre- people pretty much like blow up afterwards <laughs> unless, no. unless they, you know, don't eat as many calories and whatnot. Yeah. Unless you stick but, to a low calorie diet, maybe yeah. adding in like but, a, but, more balance. But going back to eating normally like they're gonna gain the weight back pretty much Mm. and so that's not healthy like you would have been healthier staying at the previous weight probably instead of losing it and then getting it back yo-yoing yo-yoing is bad um so i read that a lot of with keto a lot of the weight that comes off first is mostly water weight or a lot of it's water weight um, yeah. Like that's the first line that comes off. Did you experience that? Uh, I don't think you, I did. No, because I had already because been yeah. watching what I was eating. So you did more of a gradual approach into it. That's correct. Okay. So some short term side effects. I w- I'm curious if you experienced either of these. The first one is called keto breath. Have you heard of this? Uh, I don't remember it. Okay, so keto breath is when... So Sarah mentioned this earlier. When you go into ketosis, your body is um, producing energy off of ketones instead of glucose. And ketones are... Like, and this includes something called acetone, which is just like nail polish remover. It's like the exact same thing. These ketones will circulate in your body and they diffuse into your lungs. And your body wants balance from this. So you exhale these ketones to avoid buildup in your bloodstream. And the those compounds are what cause keto breath, which is like a metallic tasting somewhat stinky side effect (laughs) i don't remember that no i remember my pee smelling different really yeah like metallic i don't remember i just remember it's smelling smelling different different. oh man like after eating uh what are those things asparagus yeah yeah it didn't smell like that i don't think but it's like that type of thing did you know some people have a, first of all, s- side note, do I just look like a floating head to you? 
<laughs> this is dark over here. I wasn't looking. Yeah, you do. That's weird. Because I'm wearing a dark turtleneck. I just looked at the screen and <laughs> I just look like a floating head. I wasn't looking at you. I was reading. <laughs> um, anyway, so asparagus. This is another sidebar. Did you know some people have like a genetic... They have like a gene where they their pee does not smell when they eat asparagus. I think I I just did the ancestry traits thing. Oh yeah, and that was one of them. Well, but does I your pee remember. smell when you eat asparagus? Yes, it does. Then you don't have it, right? Some people have some kind of something where their pee doesn't yeah. smell. I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really rare. What did you do? Ancestry.com? Yeah. Oh, I kind of want to do that. Have you done Ancestry? No. I mean, I, oh. I I have a great aunt who's like super into Ancestry and she's like traced our family lineage back as far as she can possibly go. So I know maybe more than a lot of people might know about their Ancestry, but and it's like, oh, you're mostly European, Northern European. Big surprise. <laughs> but Same. We've talked fact, about this. M- many of my family is from Ireland before really? there was Northern Ireland and Ireland. <laughs> Some of mine were too. And my husband too. I mean, McDougal. Really? Yeah. They're Scottish Well, I would think that Irish. was Scottish. We both have a very Northern European look. <laughs> I don't think there's you, any question. You and me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say your husband? No, Bill's not. He, he got all the Italian. He looks much more Italian than he does Scottish. But Yeah, I was going to say he's very, he's very tan. Yeah, he's very dark. But you and I, nope. <laughs> it's no mistaking it. So I, very pale. What's your maiden name? Well, you don't have to say it, but. Well, I've had a couple maiden <laughs> This is very confusing. I've had oh, a couple right. maiden names. Right. Two different dads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was adopted. Right. Okay. So my first maiden name was Lewis. Ah. My second one was Smithy. Oh, yeah. Those sound very... Very Northern European. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are. <laughs> okay, but you didn't have keto breath <laughs> to bring it back around. <laughs> Not that I remember. And no one told me I did. What about keto flu? Yes. You did? Yeah, I did have that. And I decided to start keto the week that I was moving. Oh. Which was not fun. Not a good idea. Yeah. No. Oh. And so I guess there's supplements now you can take to help with the keto flu. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I don't know what they are, but I've seen people talk about it. So this so um, this website that I got this from says, during your first week of keto, you may experience flu-like symptoms such as aches, cramping, fatigue, diarrhea, constipation. I mean, that's a real bitch when you have both of those general weakness, and a skin rash. (laughs) This is a side effect of water and electrolyte loss and is likely indicative of dehydration, which to me, it's like a red flag if you're doing a diet that makes you have dehydration. Um, When you turn fat, when you turn to fat for fuel, 
you lose more water and electrolytes in your urine due to a decrease in your body's insulin levels and a loss of muscle glycogen. Okay, when you're in ketosis, you'll use muscle glycogen for energy first. That doesn't sound good. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. So I guess I guess the point here as a short-term side effect is that you could feel really shitty when you start. Yeah, I just remember feeling tired and like I needed to eat carbs. <laughs> mm. Was that like going through a little bit of, uh, what's the word? Detox? Yeah. <laughs> Probably from sugar. I'm like, I need right. sugar. Mm. Right. I'm sure it's really hard. And once you get over a hump, you're like, okay, I can do it. Yeah. But at first, you're like, give me a giant piece of pizza. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then you can make like fat bombs, which are supposed to give you energy because they're pretty much all fat. And then you can use the artificial sweeteners in there, but it's so gross. What is a fat bomb? <laughs> it's like coconut oil mixed with artificial sweetener. Like Splenda? Yeah. <laughs> or like the other ones like Xylo gum or whatever. They're, I don't know. I hate artificial sweeteners though. I don't like them either. They taste so gross to me. I agree. I would rather just not have it be sweet than try the fake sweet. Yeah. Same here. So the last short-term side effect, which, I mean, you could call this good or bad, but is rapid weight loss. Um, if you're not overweight or if you're underweight, that's this is not the case. But if you are underweight or in a, quote, healthy weight, it can cause a regular period to disappear which is not what you want, obviously, if you're trying to get pregnant. Um, it can also cause your body to kind of react in stress because it's like, what the hell's going on? Which can have your cortisol spike, which is bad for egg quality. I think Melissa's going to talk about that in a little bit. Are we in famine right now? <laughs> right. Your body's like, exactly. So that's not great. Um, and then some long-term side effects, and these are a little more, you know, things to be taken a little bit more seriously are, um, number one would be GI issues. So this is very common with people who are on the keto diets for a long time. Um, it can impact your digest digestion and gut in the long run. Um, one 10 year study conducted on using keto to manage pediatric ep epilepsy found the following GI side effects over time constipation, high triglyceride levels, high cholesterol, diarrhea, lethargy, iron deficiency, vomiting, and kidney stones. Ugh. Great. Great. That doesn't sound good. No. And another long-term effect, um, and I found this very interesting, is a weakened immune system. And that is a result of uh, basically not disrupting the balance of good and bad bacteria in your GI tract. So this comes from eating high saturated fat and less fiber. So diets lacking in prebiotic fiber decrease 
probiotic-friendly bacteria as a result. And since the GI tract is considered the bodyguard of your immune system, this can impact your gut-brain connection, your immune function, and chronic disease risks. So that's not great either. Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then we've already talked about vitamin and mineral deficiencies because, you know, you can, there's only so many things you can get from a, you know, 80% fat diet. Yeah, I was just thinking about some, some people just do the fat Mm -hmm. instead of eating fruits and vegetables. And that's probably these people. Uh, That have these kind of extreme side effects. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, according to Dr. Kilt, so we put, like, he basically said literally all fruits and vegetables should be avoided. All of them. So those are, those are a few, um, you know, just things to consider if you are um, entertaining the keto diet. Just some things to keep in mind um, that, you know, just some things to, to think about before, before diving into that. We also had, we heard from an RE on Instagram. Her name is Dr. Anate Brower, I think. She's, uh, she's at Greenwich Fertility, so I assume she's in Connecticut. Green, and, Greenwich. Yeah, Greenwich. That's Greenwich? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> My mind is blown. <laughs> Her handle is at Dr. Anate, A-N-A-T-E, Brower, B-R-A-U-E-R. So she gave us her opinion on the keto diet. She said, I just wanted to chime in from a doctor's perspective. One of many, I know. But most of my colleagues, myself included, don't recommend any specific diets other than a well-balanced one. I do think that women with PCOS benefit from a diet low in refined sugars because of the predilection to diabetes, but this doesn't mean carbs should be completely cut out. Fresh vegetables and fruits are important in any diet. It's just a matter of making the right choices, i.e. fruits such as pineapple, watermelon, and banana are very high in sugar versus berries, which are lower in sugar and high in fiber and also antioxidants. I added that in. When choosing rice or pasta, reach for brown instead of white. Even changes like these can make a big difference. Trying to conceive is stressful enough. Just try to live a life of moderation and normalcy, whatever that means for you. Looking forward to listening. That was really nice. And then I told her, thank you. And she responded again, um, you know, I told her that I appreciated her approach to, you know, a more balanced diet. She said, it's just my personal opinion and common sense, I think. My patients always ask me, what can I do to improve my chances? What can I eat? Should I not drink coffee? Should I not drink wine? And I always say, anyone that is asking me this is already doing everything they can to be as healthy as possible. So have that cup of coffee, a glass of wine, just start, don't start smoking crack, cigarettes, or binge <laughs> drinking. Everything in moderation. Thanks for covering this important topic. So That was the problem. Right. Start Shoot. smoking crack. I know. It's like, I'm doing keto and smoking crack, and I'm still not getting pregnant. <laughs> crack is whack. 
<laughs> Just remember that. I, I love her endorsement of everything in moderation. Except and, for crack. Except for crack. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I don't know, it's nice to hear from a doctor that, I, I love the line that she's basically saying anyone that's asking me th- asking me this is already doing everything they can to be as healthy as possible. And I thought that was really encouraging to hear from an RE. That's true though. Yeah. So it is. If you're if you're that worried about drinking a cup of coffee, you're probably doing all the right things. You know? So Yeah. And that yeah. cup of coffee isn't going to hurt anything. It's not. Or a glass of wine if you're me. We talked about this. Sarah likes coffee more. I like wine more. <laughs> yep. All right. So next up, we have um, Melissa Groves. And uh, we contacted her uh, and asked her to to chime in on this topic she is a registered dietitian nutritionist. She's the founder of Avocado Grove Nutrition and Wellness. And um, I call her the unofficial dietitian of the mafia because <laughs> she is, uh, she's in our Facebook group. And anytime someone has a question that pertains to um, diet or you know, anything that, that she can chime in um, with her professional opinion, she always does, and she's she's really great to the infertility community. We've interviewed Melissa in the past, and we talked about keto a little bit in episode number 30. Um, we also talked about some other things like hypothyroidism and MTHFR, hormonal, hormonal balance, and PCOS. Um, so if you're interested in a more kind of holistic approach and hearing more from Melissa, go check out episode 30. But for now, um, we sent her a list of questions that you guys said you wanted answered, and um, and we had her chime in on those. So the first question she's going to answer is um, kind of explain, explaining the keto diet, what it is, how it works, and why it's become so pop, such a popular diet to improve fertility. I'm Melissa Groves. I'm an integrative registered dietitian nutritionist. I own Avocado Grove Nutrition and Wellness, where I specialize in women's health and hormones, especially fertility and PCOS. I help women get their cycles back without medications so that they can get pregnant naturally. I also help women who are looking to optimize their nutrition prior to getting pregnant or before starting the IVF process. I'm able to work with clients virtually throughout the country, um, and I'm so glad that Kayla and Sarah have asked me back on the podcast um, because they're committed to sharing science-backed information with you guys. Um, so thank you for having me, guys. I am super excited to be back answering all of your questions about keto. First up, what is the keto diet? The keto diet was developed in the 1920s for children with epilepsy. A true keto diet is 80 to 90% fat and then the rest from protein and carbohydrate. It should be less than 5% of your calories from carbohydrates. 
Why has keto become so popular for fertility? I wish I knew. Um, A lot of prominent fertility clinics are recommending it for their clients. First off, uh, you should know that doctors are not nutritionists. They actually receive less than one day of nutrition education throughout their medical education. Um, You would be pretty hard-pressed to find a dietitian who recommends it as a fertility diet. There are literally zero published peer-reviewed studies on keto for fertility. I had a client who was seeing a prominent RE in the Philly area who recommended a very high-protein diet for women with poor egg quality, Um, and he gave her a link to his quote-unquote study, which, when I looked at it, was only in 12 women. Um, And in the study, the women only got to around 30% of protein anyway. It's really freaking hard to get to 40% protein a day. Um, The gold standard in nutrition research is the randomized double-blind study that has been published in a peer-reviewed journal. And this was like off his website or something, and he was basing his whole practice on it. It's really scary. Um, I do think that because weight loss is rapid with keto, um, which is mostly water weight in the beginning, docs are happy with it because it gets their patients' weight down quickly and in the range where they want to work with them. Um, My question is, at what cost? All right, so... One thing I took away from what she just said is that there are zero published peer-reviewed studies on keto for fertility, and I just find that interesting since so many people are doing it for fertility. So keep that in mind. Make sure your sources come from a randomized, double-blind, peer-reviewed study. I mean, how do you know what, how do you know? I guess you need a registered dietitian. Do you want to read the next? You want to try to read the next questions we sure. have for her? Why is keto so commonly recommended for women with PCOS? What about the keto diet has benefits for people with PCOS? Well, one of the main underlying problems with PCOS is insulin resistance. A lower carb diet is going to reduce that um, insulin resistance and improve your insulin sensitivity. Uh, My experience, though, has been that a diet too low in carbs can actually backfire by causing stress, um, which causes cortisol to rise, which causes your body to store fat in the belly area. So women with PCOS can actually gain weight on keto. I have seen it multiple times. Um, I recommend a moderate approach to carbs, again, aiming for 30 to 40% of your calories. Um, I don't recommend tracking macros or calories or anything like that because I honestly, I just think that's no way to live. Um, So I just tell people to aim to keep their carb servings to a quarter of your plate. So that's for all carbs, which I consider, you know, your whole grains, your starchy vegetables, like potatoes, beans, what have you. Um, I don't believe in telling anyone to avoid or eliminate any foods. There are so many um, recommendations out there for women with PCOS to avoid certain foods altogether. Um, That is just not realistic. Um, So my advice to you is to limit your consumption of refined carbs like white breads and pastas and added sugars. Um, And then when you do eat it, count it as a carb and include it with your meal. Um, so I I loved what she said about aiming to make carbs a quarter of your plate. I feel like that's a good visual for people. You know, like 
it's it's okay to eat pasta just don't make it the whole plate and yeah peter (laughs) hey i i am super guilty of that and i also like the idea of aiming for healthier carbs and she said potatoes and rice as opposed to bread and pasta and that led me to a question i have for you sarah okay of those four uh carb food groups which what what order would you put yours in in like order of like i want this the most and this the least i'm just curious bread the most mm-hmm. and rice the least so and then potatoes and pasta probably bread pasta potatoes and then rice interesting what about you I think I would go pasta, rice, bread, potatoes. I don't like, but I'm not really a big potato fan. I'm curious what everyone else would say. Comment on our post about this episode. What order would you go in between potatoes, rice, bread, and pasta? But yeah. I thought that was a good tip to and to you know try like try whole grains instead of white and and brown rice instead of white and whole grain pasta instead of white. Yeah. I like that. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um the next question we asked her is um is keto actually an anti-inflammatory diet? What is a better option for people seeking an anti-inflammatory diet? So my answer here is that it depends. The most anti-inflammatory foods are fruits, veggies, omega-3 fatty acids. It's possible to do keto while eating a lot of avocados, salmon, sardines, and nuts. Um, But frankly, that's not what I'm seeing on the Instagram feeds. A diet high in inflammatory, conventional corn and grain-fed meats is also going to be really high in inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids, whereas your grass-fed meats are going to be higher in the anti-inflammatory omega-3s. But yeah, eliminating sugar and processed foods from your diet entirely like you do on keto is definitely going to help reduce inflammation. Uh, But there are other ways of eating that do that too. Um, In my opinion, a better option is a Mediterranean style diet, high in fruits, veggies, healthy fats like olive oil and nuts, seafood at least twice a week. Um, and I do believe that we need to eat less carbs. The um, current American guidelines recommend 45 to 65% of our calories from carbs. And I think most of us eat more than that. Um, So I try to get my clients to aim for around 30 to 40% carbs, 30% protein, and then the rest fat. So it's literally a balanced diet. You want equal amounts of protein, carbs, and fat. So now I'm confused because (laughs) we're getting conflicted information here. From Who do we believe? From the professionals in the field. Do we believe Dr. Kiltz or do we believe Melissa? I don't know. Because he basically in that interview that we played said that all fruits and vegetables are crap. Yeah, I'm just, what? which one is it? Which one is it? Because Melissa says that real anti-inflammatory foods are fruits and vegetables and omega-3 fatty acids. So who's right? This is why it's so confusing. This is why I just go to McDonald's. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Dr. Kiltz is probably in the minority on saying that fruits and vegetables are not good for you, but I'm just going out on a limb there. <laughs> I mean, I get, I could see how they would not be anti-inflammatory because it seems like some fruits cause my tongue to itch. And that seems like an inflammatory response. That sounds like you have an allergy to whatever you're eating, <laughs> which, yes, just, is an inflammatory response. Just like with alcohol, which I think I have like an intolerance towards, mm -hmm. I just power through it <laughs> and it goes away eventually. Right. Yeah, but that does that does make it confusing when you hear a doctor saying that fruits and vegetables are bad for you. But I tend to agree with Melissa. That's just me. There's no way they can be bad for no. you. That doesn't even make sense. No. I mean, they have a lot of sugar. Well, they have right. a lot of carbs, which is... Turns into sugar. Essentially sugar. Or they have natural so sugars. That. Right. And natural sugar is the same as sugar, sugar. Right. <laughs> right. I think um, one thing I found interesting was her saying that eating basically organic grass-fed meats is going to be less inflammatory than your non-organic uh, grain corn-fed meats because their whole diet has basically been carbs. <laughs> so yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I could too. So even just buying organic grass-fed meat might be a better option than, you know, whatever other option you have. Or you could get your own cow right. and raise it. Your own chickens. Name it. And then slaughter it. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> that sounds so sad. My great-grandfather was a butcher. Oh. Pappy. He teach you, did you ever meet him? Oh, yes. He didn't, he died when I was in college. He was oh. a big part of my life. Aw. Yeah. Pappy. Pappy. <laughs> um, but he... He knew how to slaughter a cow, that's for sure. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> My mom thinks that their pet cow, they didn't eat it. I'm like, they definitely ate your pet cow. <laughs> she had a pet cow? Yeah. I mean, she grew up on a farm in Nebraska. Oh, yeah. They definitely ate it. <laughs> they definitely butchered it, and you ate it. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, no, they wouldn't do that. I'm like. Yeah, they would. <laughs> it's like when they say, oh, Rover went to live with a family on a farm where you can run. No, they just killed him. <laughs> yeah. Or he got ran over. Oh, <laughs> so sad. Anyway. Back to the keto diet. <laughs> What's the next question? What are the possible health risks associated with keto diet? Again, this really depends on your own genetic risk factors, your digestive system, the type of keto plan you're following. Um, I think that a long-term risk factor that we haven't gotten the data on yet is the risk for colon cancer. Constipation is a major issue for people on the keto diet. Um, and a diet high in processed meats like sausage, deli meats, beef jerky, bacon has been definitively linked to an increased risk for cancer by the World Health Organization. The U.S. guidelines are a little slower on catching up to this. 
Um, your heart disease risk is going to depend on what you're eating. Uh, while cholesterol is no longer considered a nutrient of concern, um, those processed meats high in sodium aren't going to be great for your heart health or your blood pressure. Um, if you're eating too much protein, that can put added stress on your kidneys. People with gallbladder issues are, um, or digestive issues, you know, pancreatic enzyme insufficiency, are not going to do great on a high-fat diet. Um, if you start getting like shooting pains in your shoulder blades, it's probably a sign that you should stop. Um, Another one that concerns me is the long-term nutrient deficiencies that can occur um, because those can have long-reaching effects and are not always reversible. Um, and taking a prenatal does not guarantee that you're covered. I can't even tell you how many times I've tested micronutrients in women who are taking a prenatal and found them to be deficient in certain nutrients that affect fertility, even while they're eating a balanced diet. So I can't even imagine how bad it would be on keto. All right. The only thing I want to add to what she just said here was that prenatals or other multivitamins won't necessarily make up for, um, you know, missing nutrition with the keto diet. So in other words, don't think that, oh, I'll just take some supplements that may not necessarily, you know, like be the ticket for you to balance, to counteract that what's missing in the keto diet. If supplements gave you everything you needed, we wouldn't why have to would eat. you need to eat? Right. Sarah, brilliant. My mind is blown right now. <laughs> <laughs> so our last question, we asked her in your pre professional opinion, why do you oppose the keto diet? So in my professional opinion, why do I oppose the keto diet? Um, I am on my soapbox about it quite a bit. Uh, my problems with keto are that it's way too low in carbs to be able to include enough fruits and vegetables, which are the true fertility powerhouse foods. And in my opinion, I don't think anyone should ever limit fruits and vegetables. Um, it's low in nutrients, it's low in antioxidants, both of which have a huge impact on fertility. It's also low in fiber, which can negatively affect gut health. And as a dietitian who specializes in hormones, I will tell you that a healthy gut is the number one key to having healthy hormone levels. You have got to be pooping every day. Overall, I recommend a diet high in fruits, vegetables, nuts, fish, and healthy fats with moderate amounts of quality animal protein and small to medium amounts of whole grains or starchy vegetables. I actually have a new freebie on my website, which is a five-day meal plan for PCOS, but it's appropriate for anyone looking for a guide for fertility diet. Um, all of the recipes are high in protein and fiber, low in refined carbs and sugar, and it's filled with hormone balancing foods like flax seeds, salmon, cruciferous veggies, and healthy fats. So you can grab that on my website at avocadogrovenutrition.com. Um, you can also always find me on Instagram where I am the hormone dietitian. So thanks again for having me on, ladies. Feel free to ask me any questions on Instagram or in the Infertile Mafia um, Facebook group. I'm in there regularly as well. 
You should, you be, should pooping. be pooping every day. Poop. Guys, if you're not pooping every day, something is wrong. You desperately need the fiber. Poop. And it should be what? S-shaped and like medium brown. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Get to know your poop. I'm on yeah. iron supplements right now, so. Are you? Yeah. Does, that can cause constipation. That changes things in the poop department. It does. It does. Um, but yeah, so I again want to thank Melissa. She's she's a big, you know, cheerleader for the infertility community. And like I mentioned earlier, you can um you can download a free meal plan for PCOS. And I just pulled it up, Sarah. Some of these look really good. A taco breakfast bowl. Uh, Would you say that they're pretty easy to make? They look pretty easy. Sesame chicken chopped salad. Crispy prosciutto wrapped asparagus. That's, I think, for a snack. Yeah. So she's got breakfast, a snack, lunch, a snack, and dinner. And it's all laid out for you. Uh, Pan-seared haddock with pineapple salsa. That sounds good. Ooh, that sounds really good. Mm Mm-hmm. A deconstructed sushi bowl if you're into sushi, which I'm not. Oh, I'd have I to like skip that. You day. don't like sushi? No. I'd like <laughs> some real sushi if I were on a coast somewhere. I have tried but, sushi so many times. And it's just not for you? It's just not for me. Sushi is not the best when you're in the middle of America. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's probably true, but I've been in places where it's probably good. I just, it's just not for me. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still good. I still like it, but. And sometimes grocery store sushi. Oh, no, no. I get it from the grocery store. No. That's the only place to get it around here. You know, they even sell sushi at the Walgreens here in Chicago. You, right? <laughs> I don't know if I'd buy that. <laughs> I, I definitely wouldn't. <laughs> but yeah, go check out her website. It's got tons of other great recipes, and um, you know her. She's got all kinds of like entries on diet and nutrition that are really helpful and great. So thanks again, Melissa. Yeah, and she has other recipes too. Yeah, it's not just for PCOS. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Melissa. So I have a confession for Out of the Box. What is it? Of the box. Out of the box. Okay, my confession is last week when I was researching the keto diet and all of these reasons why you should do it and why carbs are bad and they're evil and the enemy and I was like man carbs are carbs are just awful I need to rein it in and I just shook my head in disgust at my life (laughs) and then then I marched myself into the kitchen and made a huge plate of pasta (laughs) did you have to like boil it and everything Oh, yeah, it was premeditated. <laughs> yeah, that is the yeah. opposite. I think it was just I kept seeing the word pasta and it was like a subliminal messaging. <laughs> you want pasta? 
think it was more that. So I just wanted to make, I just wanted to confess that to everyone, keeping it real. It's like the time I, um, I shared this in the Bosses and Babies Facebook group when some woman was like, I went to McDonald's and I'm pregnant. And I was like, listen. <laughs> oh yeah, she's, she went once. She I went, went to once. McDonald's for lunch and I went to Steak and Shake for dinner yesterday. So oh. <laughs> that is, that is not keto friendly. <laughs> no, it's not. No. But I told her, have you seen the documentary Supersize Me? Ah, no, I haven't. It's really interesting. Like, you would think it would make you never want to eat at McDonald's again. Which, while I was watching it, it was like, I'm never eating at McDonald's again. That place is disgusting. And then I promptly went to McDonald's after the credits rolled and got a double (laughs) cheeseburger and fries. Why do I have to? Oh, I need McDonald's now. It was just like two hours of subliminal messaging go to mcdonald's look how good these french fries look i saw a a docu okay i saw a documentary about a guy who ate at mcdonald's for 100 days straight and lost weight (laughs) and it was about going low carb and my doctor was in it yes what's it called what's it called i don't remember oh man you gotta figure we gotta find that so he went to mcdonald's but he ate things that were low carb so what would that be the not like salads? super low carb he kept it under 100 grams a day but isn't that like one french fry i'm not sure what he ate but i just don't know he what didn't, you can like, eat at mcdonald's eat super low carb he just was like you can eat mcdonald's and lose weight like you're not gonna get super fat i mean you can't eat depending the buns. on what you order you can eat the buns no those are that's bread he kept it under a hundred grams. Well, which I guess is I don't know. Pretty what easy. The, the French fries, the nuggets have the nope. <laughs> Maybe while you look that up, I had a question for you. Do you shave your legs in the winter time? Yes, I do. Mm. Another area where we differ. <laughs> I just don't like the feeling. You don't like being hairy. I don't like yeah. I'd rather have smooth legs under my pants. And see, I just think it's a waste of time if I'm constantly going to be covered in like 50 layers. I think maybe that those tiny hairs just give me just an extra amount of warmth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I shave for me. <laughs> you don't shave for anyone but Sarah. I was just Poor curious. Bill. I was just curious. Uh, I'm I'm curious what other people do. Tell us. Do you shave your legs in the winter? Why or why not? Maybe I could be convinced. All right, that's it for the keto diet, guys. Join our close Facebook groups called the Infertile Mafia. Follow us. Oh, and Infertile Mafia Bosses and Babies. That is for people who have you know, reached pregnancy beyond infertility. Follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. As always, you can send us an email anytime to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review the podcast. We love ratings and reviews. That helps people find us um, to hear more talk about eggs and balls and stuff. And this week is Valentine's Day. Don't forget. Yeah. Peter and I are most likely doing a bonus episode, which will come out on Valentine's Day. 
which is in two days from now. Yeah, we haven't heard from Peter. No, we haven't. We've heard from Bill, but we haven't heard from Peter. I would love to hear from Peter. Um, I mean, we kind of celebrate Valentine's Day. I feel like I also kind of roll my eyes at it. Like it's one of those, oh, this is just a way to commercialize Americans. (laughs) (laughs) We don't really celebrate because we're lazy. Well, exactly that too. It's like, yeah, I love you. Here's some flowers. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't even, he doesn't get anything or so. Oh, yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> Maybe you should talk that out on the podcast. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> anyway, um, I hope everyone has a lovely Valentine's Day. We'll see you next week. And thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Bye. Bye. Bye.